Welcome into another bonus episode of Boys Don't Lie the Podcast. I am your host with the most, Owen Burke, here back to give y'all exactly what you need, exactly what you want, whatever that may be, I guarantee it's here. Y'all stay tuned. Well, I guess, actually, I, I guess I messed up the intro now I'm thinking about it. Not another bonus episode. No, no, no. We have something much more monumental, much more historic to cover today. Today is our pilot episode of The Owen Show. Today is, I wouldn't, I'm not going to call it episode one. It is the. It is a pilot. It is a test run because obviously not everything is here that I want to have here. The production's not there yet. My co-host is not here to join me today. But I will be talking a lot about what we're going to do with The Owen Show coming up for season two. And then obviously today is also our, our top ten linebackers. So so it's technically it's kind of a bonus episode, it's kind of a pilot. We're doing a little bit of both. Um I didn't have time kind of to throw together a pilot episode for you guys, and also like a lot of it hinges on like what's happening in the NFL, and obviously without the regular season starting, it's a little hard to do a lot of that stuff. So um before I get into all the all the good stuff, all the jazz, all the all the bells and whistles of of the Owen show and all those things I want to talk about, you know, I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of things in life right now that are kind of changing the game. I feel like, you know, that's what we're trying to do here with BDL. Like we have our, our, our show that, you know, comes out every Friday that we do normally, which is under kind of a new format. We're trying new things out here and there. And obviously each of us having our own solo shows now, with Shay having one of ones, Samari has the mansion, which his pilot is already out, came out yesterday, and also, obviously, the Owen Show, uh, making its return and making its addition to BDL now, being under the BDL brand, is you know something we're trying to change the podcasting game and trying to change the BDL game really for us. Like, it may not be as big of a deal to everybody else, but like it's something that's big to us and it's something that means a lot to us. And also, like another thing that obviously means a lot to us is music. And Apple's doing a big thing to change the game right now as well. Um, with spatial audio based on Dolby Atmos, is an immersive surround sound audio format that enables musicians to to mix music so it sounds like the instruments are all around you in space. Thousands of Apple Music songs are available in spatial audio, as of last week, such as Lady Gaga's Rain On Me and Kanye West's Black Skinhead. Spatial audio is available to all Apple Music subscribers at no additional cost. The streaming music service costs $9.99 per month for individuals, $4.99 per month per students, and $14.99 per month for families of up to six people, man. Sign up for that family deal, man. Y'all out here, like, the student account is nice and everything, but I know y'all got five friends. You know, y'all got five Y'all got five friends. You got six people total chipping to $15, man. Get you a family plan with your boys, man. Get you a family plan, man. That is the best deal out there. 75 million songs, the world's most popular playlists, early access to new music, unlimited skips, expert curated playlists, exclusive content, download and listen offline, even when you ain't got no Wi-Fi, you driving out in the middle of nowhere, you driving out in the middle of Kansas, that is. Boy, you just got that stuff downloaded. You ain't even got to worry about none of that. Always ad-free. Services, access your iTunes music, pay by month, not by song, man. That is how they do it over at Apple Music. Like I said, man, that spatial audio stuff is changing the game. I remember when that first came out, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, obviously you gotta you gotta listen to with your headphones to really get the full effect of it. You can't really get it going through your car speakers or just at your phone, man. I'll tell you what, boy, you put them AirPods in, you put them Beats Pros in, you put I mean you could throw on your gaming headset, whatever you, whatever works, man, whatever you got at home. Throw some headphones on, go listen to some stuff with that spatial audio, bro. That shit is game changing. That will change your life, I'm telling you. Like close, I'm. That is the best. Like that. That's what that says in there. It says, it allows enables musicians to mix music so it sounds like the instruments are all around you in space. That's what it is. Like close your eyes. You are the microphone. You hear every. You hear the flute to the left of you. You got the the drums to the right. You got the vocals surrounding you. Like it's a it's a beautiful thing to experience for the first time if you've never experienced, man. So make sure y'all tap into that. Um, as far as the Owen show goes, um. Another big shout out, obviously, to all you guys at home. None of this is possible without you guys. Um, BDO will continue as scheduled, obviously, Friday at noon. 
Nothing's going to change there. The time, uh, the the format of it and the things we talk about it may change. A little bit of less sports here and there, but that's exactly what the Owen Show is here to pick up for, man. It's going to be all sports. So if you love sports, that's what this is for. You know, if you if you find yourself wading through, you're like, I really, I'm a country music guy and I like sports. So I kind of have to dig through the BDL stuff to find the sports stuff. You could, I would still appreciate you listening to the BDL stuff because we're talking all about a lot more in music now, a lot more than music or sports. It's going to be a lot of life topics, general things, you know, gossip, drama in the media, whether it's in sports, pop culture, music, whatever it is. We're trying to cover it all in a more conversation type format. So. Make sure y'all tap into that, man. But if you're here for sports, man, you're here for sports. I can't blame you. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to give as much content and as good a content as I possibly can when it comes to the sports side of things. And that's that's what the Owen Show is going to be all about. Um, so I am bringing in a co-host. Um, I was able to to talk to my good buddy Tim uh, from work, from Dick Sporting Goods. He is He's our golf lead at the, at the Dick Sporting Goods I work at uh, in town. So... Yeah, I I could tell early on that me and Tim were going to be pretty decent friends. Just talking to him, he's a really cool guy. I love hanging out with Tim. He's a really genuine guy, and and the thing about Tim, I realized very early on, he's very into sports just as much as I was. And he was also he's from New York. He's a Knicks fan. Which, for those who don't know, I was a Knicks fan back in the day. I recently stopped, but. Whether I'm an avid Knicks fan or not, the Knicks will always, always have a very, very special place in my heart because of what they mean to my fandom as a basketball fan. Um, Carmelo Anthony is my favorite player of all time. He's the one that got me into watching basketball, and that was when he was playing in the Mecca in New York City, man. So the Knicks will always have a close place to my heart, and I have a feeling the more that me and Tim talk about it, the more the Knicks are going to crawl back into my head and in my heart. So we'll see how that goes, man. But Tim is is a great guy. I think we're gonna, you know, we have we have a lot of good chemistry for not knowing each other as long. And when it comes to knowledge, man, y'all thought I was good, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to make sure I'm on my A game. There's no there's no days off. Like I try not to take as many days off as I can, and try to be on my A game as much as possible. But it ain't an option, bro. That man Tim's gonna keep me on my toes. So I'm very excited. Going forward into that, there's going to be a lot of structure, some games here and there, a lot of topics that we'll be able to talk about. I'm sure we're going to get into a couple heated arguments because Tim Tim doesn't play that shit either. He'll he'll call me stupid if he thinks that I'm being stupid. That's another thing I love about him, the, the honesty and the realism. He's not going to be somebody that really sugarcoats a lot of things. So if I say something stupid, y'all, y'all best be ready because he probably going to call me stupid right there in the in the moment. We ain't even going to wait till after the show to do it. We're going to we're going to have to hash it out and figure out what the fuck going on right then and there. So uh, I'm very excited uh, for the own show to get going. Episode one uh, we will be dropping Wednesdays every Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesdays or Thursdays. We haven't 100 percent decided it's going to be one of those two days. It will be before Thursday night football. I know that for a guarantee. Uh, we kind of picked that window so I can we can recap kind of what happened in the NFL from the last week. You know, we could talk about Thursday night football, Sunday night, and Monday night football, and then also we can preview Thursday night football, and then we can preview kind of what's coming up in the NFL. Talk about topics, do our games here and there, talk about college football, talk about the NBA when it gets started back up. So, a lot of things, man. A lot, a lot of things. Hopefully, obviously, we want to keep the fan questions rolling. So, like I said, man, hit me up on Twitter, man. Y'all ain't got to go to Shea for everything. I do appreciate y'all hitting up Shea, and he does pass the messages along. But, man, just hit me up. Cut the middleman out. Give me give me what you want to hear. I will give it to you. Trust me. If Especially if it's after this pilot episode, and you're like, hey, I want this answered on, on, on you know, episode one. Official, official episode one of the Owen Show. I'll get it on there. I promise. I, I This is my guarantee. If you DM me on Twitter, Owen underscore Burke, B-E-R-K, or if you go to Shay's Twitter, it's in the link tree. Go to Sam's Twitter. It's in the link tree in their bio. You go to my Twitter. You follow me. I promise I'll follow you back. I'm not going to offset your follower count. Anybody that follow me, I'm going to follow back. Y'all shoot me a DM. What's your question? I promise. I promise. I will answer every question I get in my DMs. On episode one of the own show, you have my word. I don't care if I get 150 questions. Me and Tim will spend an entire show talking about questions if I have to. We will do it. So uh, that's kind of what's going on with the own show. Um, so, like I said before, big shout out to the fans at home. Big shout out to Anchor as well. You know, your one stop shop for podcasting, man. Um, just, just the easiest way to get started. Where you can record on your phone. You can post straight from your phone. 
you know you don't need a laptop to do it man it's it's a it's a it's a one click of a button type deal when it comes to recording and setting up and doing all the things you need to do for your podcast and also when it comes to posting it you know you click one button and all of a sudden you're out on apple music you know apple podcast you're out on spotify you're out on all these different places man so that's that's a it's a big help to us along the way it simplifies a lot of that process for us you know you know with one click of a button you know we schedule like hey this is going to come out at 5 p.m 5 p.m rolls around boom just like that we're up on six different apps right at 5 p.m we ain't got to go through and click five buttons we ain't got to post it you know 455 and 457 and 459 and 501 we're just there boom and that's all thanks to anchor man so big shout out to them as well obviously none of this is really possible without anchor along the way i will apologize um in advance now i've been sneezing and had kind of like a stuffy nose for the past couple days so if i do sneeze i apologize and maybe try to break your eardrums i'm gonna try to get the mic as far away from my mouth as possible when that happens but it's i'm a loud sneezer so just beware of that and hopefully i'm not sniffling too much in the mic as we go along as well but i am a man i don't know there's just a lot to talk about i'm just excited man like and i and i i knew that tim was gonna say yes when i asked him to be the co-host of the show you know he gives me a lot of the feedback you know a lot of the things that i try to work on when it comes to the bonuses and when it comes to the show as well so i knew he was gonna say yes because he's kind of we've hinted at doing an episode or two here or there but like Y'all have no idea how excited I was when when he did say like when I was when I officially asked him and he officially said yes, even though I had I knew for a hundred percent fact he was gonna say yes, I was so gassed because I know I know for a fact that the one thing that I could guarantee when it comes to the Owen show and when it comes to me and Tim working together on this show is you are going to get the best product possible. Because I know that he he listens to a lot of sports podcasting stuff. He knows what people are trying to listen for and look out for. And also, he's very, very good at pushing me to be the best that I can be. That's something that I've realized at work. When I first got up to the, the new store up here, uh, it took me a while to get my you know my feet in the ground. I was kind of lagging my feet. A lot of the managers didn't like me just because I wasn't doing my job. Man, Tim kind of opened me up. I got over in golf. You know, He kind of just kind of was just a friend that i needed out the gate and i you know i got my footing started doing better work started getting recognized for my work which just in turn makes me work harder and here i am now i feel like i'm one of the you know the harder workers at that store no disrespect to any of my coworkers. i feel like he's really kind of brought that out of me in the long run so i it's just it goes tenfold because i i try to bring as much as i can to the table for you guys at home each and every week and with tim pushing behind me as well as the fans at home man and tim turning from a fan to like you know a guy that's going to be able to be on the scenes not behind the scenes pushing me is going to make the show so much better man y'all have no idea how good and how great this show is going to be because a lot of y'all will sit here and listen to me talk for 45 minutes to an hour by myself and i know that i can ramble and get boring at times this is going to be something different this is going to be some of the best work i think you guys have heard from me and that's gonna a lot of that's going to be attributed to him just pulling that out of me man like just being able to sit there and bounce back and forth and talk about this stuff is going to be a religious experience to me to a certain degree i'm very very excited uh for the owen show and the future of bdl as a whole so so like i said big shout out to all those things along the way big shout outs to all the guys at home back in wichita you know talking to me or wichita lawrence arkansas those guys i know where they're at i know they we'd be moving around quite a bit for school here and there we had a guy up in ohio for a while but those guys know who they are and i hope they're listening at home as well because man they just got my back and i know they do so i've met some real ones along the way and i know that tim's one of them and and those guys from wichita that have moved around here and there are definitely some of those guys as well so i'm very excited we do have a a a fan question or two here before we get into our top 10 linebackers um i think i covered everything you know we talked about the own show talked about season two season two is september 10th man it's coming up quick um depending on when you're listening to this it might already be out so make sure y'all tap in man season two is going to be a movie and I know that's cliche, and I know you hear that all the time, but like, we're just trying to do bigger and better things week in, week out. We're working on a lot of social media stuff. Merch should be coming out during season two on a widespread scale, hopefully. 
and look out for that BDL TikTok account. But I'm telling y'all, when I get these, when I'm when I'm able to do sports TikToks, when I can bring y'all sports information with with you know some some editing and some visual aids along the way, when I could throw up a stat sheet or when I could throw up a picture of Christian McCaffrey when I'm talking about it, that production, man, I think it's just everything. So be on the lookout, man. If y'all a TikTok fiend like I am, I do be spending way too many hours on that app a day. BDL TikTok's coming soon. I'm going to be a driving catalyst behind that. You're going to get a lot of sports stuff out of me. So if you like sports TikTok, man, trust me. I'll talk about it um, when it comes out. And y'all going to have to tap into that because, trust me, I'm going to put everything I can into that as well. So for our fan questions, before we get into our top 10 linebackers today, um, I think the first one I wanted to talk about, the bigger one, was um, what are three top heartbreaking if you if you missed the last bonus i believe the edge rushers was the one i talked about it on i got a question of like what my three moments in sports that i'll never forget and like un unbelievable memories that i always talk about in sports this one is what are my top three heartbreaking moments in sports now this one's a little bit tougher because i really i feel like i've been kind of blessed when it comes to being a sports fan i haven't really had a lot of heartbreaking moments over the years at least that are like brutally heartbreaking that stick out at the top of my mind. Um, I think one of them is definitely like the whole saga when Mello and Phil Jackson were getting into it at the end of his career in New York kind of killed me. Cause like I said, Carmelo Anthony was the one that got me into basketball. And um, so seeing him kind of break up with my favorite team and how ugly it kind of got in the media was definitely heartbreaking and watching the Knicks deteriorate before that, they went from the two seed to the seller of the league killed me as well. Um, I think another one would be, oh man, I don't even know. I don't know if there's a single game that kind of sticks out. I think the loss to Tennessee in the playoffs, uh, for the Ravens. And I think it was 20, the 2019 season was heartbreaking. Cause I knew we should have won that game by far and away. Greg Roman kind of shit the bed when it came to the play calling on offense in that game. And, that one haunted me for a while. Even the even when we beat him in the playoffs the next year, I wasn't happy because of in that twenty twenty game where we're in Tennessee and we went in and won like seventeen to ten or seventeen to thirteen. That was such an ugly game. And without, you know, a top five quarterback in the game, Lamar Jackson breaking off a sixty yard run and going around three guys with spins, jukes, and you name it. And breaking off that that sixty yard TD run, we lose that game as well. So like the Tennessee Titans have been a problem for me, and the biggest problem that comes back around is Greg Roman. I'm fucking. I can't wait till Greg Roman's out of town to be hundred percent real with you. Now, granted, hopefully we don't get a downgrade. That's a solid possibility. But like Greg Roman, when the lights are on, Greg Roman just shits the bed, and I fu- I can't fucking stand it because. They're like, oh, we're down seven nothing to the Tennessee Titans. Well, let's you know, we'll take the best rushing offense in the league and throw the ball fifty six times. I'm like, dude, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, we are the best. Listen, listen to me. Men may lie, women may lie, but the boys don't. Neither the numbers. These are the fucking numbers. The Baltimore Ravens have the best rushing attack in NFL history in the 2020 season. In the 2019 season, they were pretty damn good as well. They are breaking records when it comes to team rushing yards. We may not have the guy that rushes for 2,000 yards, but I've got one guy that's going to go for 1,000. I've got another guy that's going to go for 800. I've got another guy that's going to go for six, and I have another guy that's going to go for five. Baltimore puts up the fucking numbers on the ground, so y'all be ready for that. But we just we go down 7 nothing, and all of a sudden you'd think we have Patrick Mahomes under center because we're starting to throw the ball 52 times a game. It makes no sense. I can't fucking stand it. As much as I love Lamar, and he is an extremely underrated passer and much better than anybody ever gives him credit for, it's just not some, like throwing the ball 50 times in a game is not anything I think any quarterback should do. And so even in today's air raid offense league, you should not throw the ball 50 times in a single game. You should not have 50 passing attempts unless it's like the Chiefs and the Rams in Mexico City when it was 53-51. Like, that's the only time I think you should have it 50 times. And there's only a certain few quarterbacks that should get to that number ever. Like, I could see Patty is definitely a guy. I'm okay. Like, if he has to throw 50 times, I'm cool with it. If Aaron Rodgers throws 50 times in a game, okay, I'm living. Josh Allen, I could see maybe, you know, if we're getting in a deep shootout, I could see him throwing 50 times. Maybe Russell Wilson, maybe Deshaun Watson, maybe. After that, I'm like, I don't, like, 
there is a solid 90% where I'm like, you should never throw the ball 50 times in a game. You are not. As much as I love Lamar and as underrated as his arm is, it's not talented enough where I want him throwing the ball 50 times in a playoff game. So so that that was that was killer because I knew we're better. Like, Baltimore, listen, Drew, this may hurt you to hear if you're listening to this. The Baltimore Ravens are better than the Tennessee Titans. I know that for a fucking fact. But our offensive coordinator is a fucking dipshit when the lights are on. So we lose a lot of games. So that was heartbreaking for me. I know that I went on a huge rant there. Um, so the Ravens losing in the 2019 playoffs to the Titans while being the two seed fucking broke my heart. And then... Um, I said mellow leaving New York definitely was painful. Um, I don't know if you would count it like in sports, but like Kobe's death deeply, deeply affected me. I remember that day, like the back of my fucking hand. Um, I definitely teared up and cried a little bit at work about that one. Uh, he, he impacted a generation. I don't think I need to go into how good or how impactful Kobe Bryant was at all, but like, just the abruptness, the abruptness of it, and like how it happened and played out, and how sudden it was—like it was a, a snap of a finger and it was over—was just a just a shock. And that one, that one shook me to my core. I'll tell you that much. Um, man, uh, it was—I wouldn't say it was heartbreaking. It was definitely painful to watch Baltimore come off a Super Bowl win and one of the greatest postseasons of all time by Joe Flacco. To be the only team in Super Bowl history to then open up the next year on the road in Denver because the Orioles are using fucking M&T Bank Stadium for some opening weekend and then watch Peyton Manning throw for seven touchdowns against us to get revenge for the Mile High Miracle. But see, that one's not as heartbreaking because as painful as that game was, I watched that game and we got fucking dismantled and I it was painful, but... We walked out with a ring and Joe Flacco had a Super Bowl MVP. It was kind of worth it in the long run. Um, so that three spot is really hard to fill, to be honest with you. Because I don't think, like I said, there's not a game that I watched that's like, God, that one killed me. Outside of that Tennessee-Baltimore game in 2019. Because um, I just I can't think of a basketball game that we kind of lost on a buzzer beater at all. Um so a lot of like bigger moments outside of the games are definitely more heartbreaking to me. The bigger storylines, like I said, Kobe, like I don't know if you can count that or not. I don't know if that's the answer that they were looking for when they asked me the question. But Kobe Bryant's passing definitely affected me heavily. Um, and a lot of the heartbreaking things that I kind of went through were expected, like Ed Reed retiring, Ray Lewis retiring. Where it's kind of like expected, so like I, it's it's heartbreaking and as difficult as it was, I kind of expected it, so it was a little bit numbed. Um, Ray Rice's situation with his fiance at the time definitely killed me because I I loved Ray Rice, and I'm gonna get hate for it. I still love Ray Rice. I think in context with what was happening around the league at the time with Greg Hardy and how his situation was being held with and his abuse of his girlfriend. I think that Ray Rice should have got a second shot in the league. There's a lot of people that disagree with me on that. That's fair enough. Honestly, in the long run, he probably didn't deserve a second shot. But when I look at Ray Rice and how that situation happened and how he handled it as a man and how everything has turned out looking back on it four or five years later and then looking at everything that happened with Greg Hardy in that offseason, how he handled it, what his career is now and what the status of his relationship with his his girlfriend at the time is now i i just it was horseshit so i i kind of want to do i want to go off on a tangent about it i think i could try to run through it so just so so nobody's canceling me and hating on me too much so at the time ray rice was was engaged to his fiance at the time he was drunk they were both drunk they got on an elevator they kind of got into a scuffle they were arguing, and he knocked his fiance out. She was unconscious in an elevator. It was on tape. Um, he came out like a week later and said it was a mistake. I was drunk. That's not an excuse. That's just what happened. I regret every second of it, and I hope that my fiance can forgive me. Going, you know, took it like you know, I took it like a man. You know, he apologized. You know, didn't play it off. Didn't say, "Oh, I was drunk. It's not my fault." Da 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 da. No, he said, "I'm a I'm a man. I fucked up." This is what happened. This isn't an excuse. This is an apology. It is what it is, and hopefully I get another shot in the NFL. Never happened. Greg Hardy, on the hand, in the same exact fucking offseason, 
Greg Hardy was having issues with his girlfriend. He was, I believe he was in Dallas. I think he lived in Dallas before he signed with the Cowboys. I believe it was Dallas PD. Multiple times during the offseason, his girlfriend went to the police, claimed violent, you know, claimed abuse. She has, she was black and blue, bruises everywhere, red face all the time. And then two, three days later, she'd be like, no, we're just play fighting. Uh, it was, I, I overreacted. It was, it was no big deal. And, you know, we're seeing pictures. And, yeah, I, we never saw a video of Greg Hardy punching his girlfriend in the face. I'll give you that. But I saw multiple pictures on multiple occasions where she was black and blue and not just one punch. Not one black eye. I'm talking a black eye, three bruises across her arm, multiple on her chest, other arm, her legs, everywhere. I'm talking like this bitch was covered in bruises and everything. And all this is happening at the time. And, obviously, there's no hard evidence. There's just... I mean, I... In my opinion, if if a girl claims violence and that or claims abuse and then takes it back, and there's multiple, multi, like I'm talking ten to fifteen to twenty bruises on this girl's body, week in, week out, there's that's hard enough fucking evidence to me. But at the time of all this is happening, Dallas and a couple other teams, I think it was Carolina was trying to get him back. Dallas and another team were having a bidding war on trying to get this guy in, which I get that running backs are more replaceable than edge rushers are, and edge rushers are more valuable, but holy fucking shit, we're looking at a guy that, yes, there was a video. Yes, what he did was wrong. He took it like a man. He said, I fucked up. It is what it is. I hope you know people can forgive me and I can get a second chance. Him and his fiance got married. They're still happily married to this day, and they've had no prior, you know, they've had no issues with violence or domestic abuse or anything like that since. Greg Hardy's girlfriend finally got the nuts to break up with him. They are no longer together, and Greg Hardy is now a UFC fighter. So, so you can agree. I'm 100% okay if you're like Ray Rice did not deserve a second chance to league. You're smoking dick. I'm okay with that. What I'm saying is at the time. When I look at the two situations and how they were handled, and now in retrospect, looking at five to six years later at what each of those guys' lives look like, one guy deserved a second chance, and it wasn't fucking Greg Hardy. So that one was definitely heartbreaking, too, because I, I fucking loved Ray Rice. He was another guy that was very fundamental to my Ravens fandom when I was kind of first getting started. Uh, so also when we drafted J.K. Dobbins, he picked 27. I lost my fucking mind. I was like, holy shit, I get to watch... 27 and purple run fucking wild on everyone and i'm i'm mad that i got the opportunity robbed from me to watch that this year after he went down but gus the bus in 35 is going to give y'all problems i'm telling you this right now i don't care if Le'Veon bell's on my practice squad i don't care if he's on the roster gus edwards is giving you a thousand yards on the ground this year book it right now i'm calling it give it to me right now gus edwards thousand yard season baltimore ravens call me a bandwagon or not bandwagon call me a you know uh a homer, biased opinion, whatever you want to say. I truly do believe that. So, do I have a second question? I got to see. Um, here's another one I got. Um, should being a league MVP guarantee entry into the Hall of Fame? This is a tough one because he didn't really specify the sport. Now, when it comes to the NBA, no. Fuck no. Not going to happen. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. So, you you have to have... College accolades, international accolades, NBA accolades, you know, usually have to get there. Or, like, I mean, if you have no college accolades or anything, like, you have a really good, like, a one MVP does not get you there. Now, when it comes to the NFL, I would still kind of lean towards no, but if there's no drastic first ballot Hall of Famers, I could definitely see it. For a one time, once you win two, probably, yeah, you're probably guaranteed in. But, like, I look at, like, I'm trying to think of like a, a a prominent first ballot class. Like there was the class that had Brian Urlacher, Ed Reed, and like three other guys that were like ran our childhood when it came to the NFL. On years that they don't have a ton of first ballots, yeah, you like you you'll probably get in eventually when they start to run out of names. But it's not like a, it's not you're definitely not a lock to be a first ballot. I'll tell you that much. Um, but when the names kind of thin out and they start to dig and they're like, oh man, I don't really know where we should go with this fucking last pick. Like, we got one spot left to fill. We've got our two or three first ballots. We've got our three guys that have been waiting for a couple years. This guy was a league MVP and had a solid career. He could slip in. Yeah, so I wouldn't say it's a lock, but obviously it ups your chances a lot. And as long as you had a solid career around it, I definitely think so. Like, when it comes to the NBA, I don't... 
I don't know if Derrick Rose will be a Hall of Famer. Um, it's really, really good career at Memphis. He didn't really do much Team USA wise. He did. He was. He was the youngest MVP to ever win it. You know. So that's definitely one that's up there. I would not be surprised to see Derrick Rose make the Hall of Fame at all, especially if he's continued to contribute at the age that he's at now for the next three to four years. He continues to contribute. I could see it. But I wouldn't say Derrick Derrick Rose is like a lock for the Hall of Fame right now. So I've definitely seen players that are better and worse make the Hall of Fame with or without an MVP. So those are our two fan questions. We got through all of it. Here we are again. Me and Sam did this on the safeties and the corners bonus. It kind of took a half an hour to get to the list. But here we are. So um, top 10 linebackers. Pilot one of the Owen Show getting down to the last bonus episode this is going to be kind of the meat of it like i said we're going to talk about a lot of nfl things and preview games and and cover games after they happen and you know bigger storylines around the league obviously we can't do a lot of that stuff because the league hasn't started obviously the regular season doesn't start till tomorrow but or today i guess depending on when you're listening to this um but we're going to knock it out you know we're here to do one thing and that's to Put on for the sh- put on for the fans. The show must go on regardless. So, top ten linebackers today. I'm gonna get a quick sip of my beverage. Another small beverage break before we get going. The last thing I gotta do before we get to our top ten linebackers today. Mm. Mm. Little ASMR for you. All right. So, top ten linebackers. I have three honorable mentions today before our list. Three guys I think kind of have to be highlighted that while they may not be top 10 right now, I definitely think they deserve to be talked about um, just because they're either right outside there or they're going to be there in a year or two or like for whatever reason. You know, I'm not going to try to sit here and try to tell you what what the reason is for each one. But um, so our three our three honorable mentions today. I feel like my levels are going up and down. I'm signing in the mic. I'm sneezing. I'm taking beverage breaks. I don't know what's going on. Our three... I lost it. I don't even remember what... Three honorable mentions. There we are. It's been a long day, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize. Three honorable mentions. One, Devin Bush to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the scariest thing about Devin Bush is that we have not seen anywhere close to what he's fully potential... uh, What his full potential is... His rookie season um, was solid. It wasn't great. It was good. Um, and then, obviously, the injuries in his sophomore year kind of kind of robbed us of it. This is a guy that I'm putting on this list because it is it is full-blown potential that this guy has. Like, this is – I watch him play multiple times a year. My parents are Steelers fans, so I try to keep up with this team as much as possible so I can talk to my dad about things. And, obviously, Baltimore and Pittsburgh play twice a year. This kid's got everything that you can want in a middle linebacker. He is very quick over the middle of the field, sideline to sideline speed. He hits extremely hard on crossing routes over the middle. He has you know, a very high hit power. He drops back into zone coverage, and he, he stops the run well. He is a very, very well-rounded kid, and he has the athleticism to boot. So the the sky is the limit for Devin Bush. I could honestly say I see like best linebacker in the league potential in this kid. It's just about staying healthy and achieving that potential because sometimes it's it's easy to get lost to the mix when you're not the best at everything. Like he's like top five. Like he has potential to be top five at every category that makes you a good middle linebacker, but he may not be the best at any of them. So like that can be a dangerous line to try to walk. But I, as much as I hate to say it, because I don't want to have to play him twice a year with how good he's supposed to be. Devin Bush is a guy that I think you kind of have to talk about when it comes to honorable mentions and he, he really could crack this list this year if he stays healthy all year and plays in the middle of that Steelers defense um, another guy I want to talk about is Jayon Brown of the Tennessee Titans he's a former fifth round pick and has emerged extremely has, has kind of broken out on the scene in the last couple of years um, and I think another thing that kind of highlights him is he's outplaying a, another former first round pick in Rashawn Evans his teammate who plays over the middle Um the, the big stat for Jalen Brown is he's forced 11.3 forced incompletion rate in 2020, ranked first among all linebackers. So 
Anytime the ball is thrown his way, 11% of the time, he's forcing an incompletion. That was the highest of any linebacker last year out of the whole thing. And also, I think a thing that highlights and why he looks so good next to Rashawn Evans is because of the complementary skill sets. Jalen Brown, they're about the same athleticism-wise. Jalen Brown drops back into coverage well. As I see, man coverage, zone coverage, he does it very well. Uh, like I said, that the high end completion rate is there. He's pretty decent at stopping the run. He's not a huge hitter, but that's what Rashawn Evans does. He drops back into zone decently. It's like a flip. Jalen Brown drops back into zone very, very well. He stops the run pretty decently, and you know he plays the middle of the field pretty decently. You look at Rashawn Evans, he plays the field pretty decently. He's a very, very good run stopper. Probably one of, if not the hardest hitting linebacker in the league right now. And he drops back into zone coverage pretty decently. So, like, they, they complement each other very well. But the fact that Jalen Brown is a fifth-round pick going out there and going to bat with Rashawn Evans, who's a first-round pick, is a very interesting dynamic to watch. And they both play very, very well together. Um, and our last round of mention is going to go to Alexander Johnson, the Denver Broncos. Um, another guy that kind of took an unusual route to becoming an NFL starter after going undrafted. Um, but given the opportunity in 2019, he took full advantage of it in 2020. Um, in 2020, he wasn't just as good. That's why he kind of falls on the outside. Pro Football Focus had him at 10. Um, I definitely felt like he was needed to be talked about because of how good his 2019 year was. But I'm looking at he he definitely took a step back last year, and I think there's just 10 guys that are going to be better than him this year. I think there's some guys coming back from injury that are going to be very, very good, and some young guys that I think Pro Football Focus kind of left out that are going to break onto this list as well. Uh, Devin Bush was very, very close to being on my 10 spot, honestly. Um, but when you look at what he did accomplish, he was a, another hard hitter, just like Rashawn Evans in Tennessee. Um, he had 58 defensive stops this past year, which is third most of the NFL. So he took a step back and he was still third most in the NFL for defensive stops. Um, so the talent is there. And an, another thing, like I said, is it's kind of a broken record when it comes to all the defensive positions. It helps you to look better when the defense around you is better. The better your defense is around you, the better you look because you don't have to do as much. You know, like when your job is to stop the run and everybody else is getting to the quarterback and holding up in coverage and you stop the run, it makes you look twice as good because you don't have to waste your energy also getting to the QB or also dropping back into coverage. So that's one thing that helps him a lot because Denver does have one of the deeper secondaries in the league, is very talented, and when healthy, have one of the better one-two punches in the pass rush game as well with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. So Alexander Johnson is definitely there, but I think obviously after the step down in 2020 and the guys that are just above him on this list, I think he just falls just short of the cut. Um, number 10 on my list is going to be Donta Hightower of the New England Patriots. Um now, obviously, very hypocritical of me to you know take Alexander Johnson out for taking a step down in 2020 and then putting a guy who didn't even play in 2020 who took a year off because of COVID. But I think the biggest thing of why Dante Hightower is here is, first of all, he didn't really take a step down at all. He just didn't play. Um, so I didn't see any rust. I didn't see him get worse than what he was in 2019. I just didn't see him at all. And obviously, and another thing that was really, really big of why he ended up clipping Alexander Johnson and making this top 10 spot was the fact of, like, you could tell that the Patriots' defense was missing something last year. You know, Stephon Gilmore kind of had a down year. Their pass rush was kind of lacking. They they were missing their captain in the middle of the field, man. Dante Hightower is a very big reason of why the Patriots' defense is so good. Um, when healthy, he is the biggest, probably the biggest difference maker that they have on that team. He... He is when he is on the field for that defense, he just makes everybody play better. He may not be the best player on that defense. Svon Gilmore is probably better than him when you look at corners to linebacker ratings. You can make the argument that Devin McCourty may be better than him in the long run when it comes to safeties as well. But that defense takes it to another level whenever they have their captain in the middle of the field. Um, he is a he's just a threat to offenses in all facets of the game. He. Uh, Compiled 81 total quarterback pressures over his past full two seasons to play, including the postseason. He's a very good run stopper, and he drops back into coverage okay. He does get dinged a little bit when he comes into coverage because he's not as athletic as some of the younger middle linebackers in the game are today, and also just the receivers are just getting more athletic and athletic. Just You have a guy like Henry Ruggs, who's like you know 5'10", 5'11", or Tyreek Hill, who could take the top off of your defense with a 4'2 speed, but then you have a guy like DK Metcalf, who's you know 6'5", who's like 
you know, seven, you know, six, seven inches taller and still runs like a four, three. So that's the thing is the, the, the receivers are getting a lot more athletic and the middle linebackers are trying to keep up. But obviously with age, Dante Hightower is a little bit lacking in that area, but still drops back into coverage very, very efficiently. And he is definitely the captain of that Patriots defense, in my opinion. So um, at nine on my list, I have Demario Davis, another guy that is kind of the centerpiece of his defense. Um, had kind of a down year for New Orleans in 2020. Um, but... Still posted a very, very solid year. He had missed just 16 tackles on 263 attempts over his past two years, which is the best rate of any linebacker with that much playing time. So so the production's there. They did take a step back. I think the Saints defense as a whole kind of took a step back, and I think, honestly, the team itself outside of Al, uh, Alvin Kamara took a step back last year. So I think he will return to form. I Like I said, when you look at a lot of these old guys, I'm just I think a lot of young linebackers are gonna pop this year. I think that's why Demario Davis and, and Dante Hightower fall at nine and ten is just because I think there's a lot of young guys that are gonna take that jump this year. And there's a solid chance that Devin Bush is another one of them that also makes the jump and knocks one of these guys completely out of the top ten. Um so uh, he's been extremely good since he got to New Orleans, kind of revitalized his career. He was very good in New York, but you kind of we were seeing the play taper off. He wasn't playing as well. I don't think he was as happy in New York. Obviously, as good as that defense may be here and there, I think going one and sixteen or two and fourteen, having you know a couple number one overall picks here and there definitely hurts your morale as a veteran player. He landed in New Orleans, started winning a lot of games, had a really good offense, and all of a sudden he was playing back to a Pro Bowl caliber player. So Demario Davis is definitely there, but like I said, I'm predicting a lot of young linebackers to kind of take that extra step forward this year. Um, one of those linebackers being. A guy who's kind of, I would say he's evolving into the captain of the Chicago defense, but I don't think you can really put anybody as the captain over a guy like Khalil Mack, who's the best edge rusher in the game right now, in my opinion. Um, Roquan Smith of the Chicago Bears was a coverage star coming out of college, and it definitely took him a while to show that. His first couple years in the league were kind of rough in coverage. He seemed to just, I think it was the athleticism. He is very, very athletic, but like I said, man, these receivers are fucking insane now. Because you can have a guy, you look at Tyreek Hill, you look at DK Metcalf, who are just barely, Tyreek's a little bit faster, but DK's also six inches taller. And then you have a guy like Justin Jefferson, who's right in the middle height-wise, but he can break you off with any route in the tree. And it's just it's it's one of those things. It's very very difficult for a linebacker to try to drop back in coverage, especially if you're expected to try to hold up a lot of these wide receivers in today's game. Um, but like I said, while it took him a while to get there when it came to coverage, as good as he was out of college, 2020 was kind of the pop year for him when it came to coverage. Um, he earned an 84 overall Pro Football Focus coverage grade last season, uh, allowing a mere 75.8 pass rating into his coverage which is some 20 points lower than the average pass and 30 points lower than the average pass targeting a linebacker. So the pass, a QB's quarterback rating when throwing into coverage of Roquan Smith was 76. The ad, the league average for linebackers is like a hundred, 106. So that should show you how good he finally, like we finally saw what he got drafted for. You know, they were expecting him to come in and be that coverage star to kind of pair with the pass rush from Khalil Mack. And he finally showed that potential in 2020. And I think they just take another step forward. I think their defense got better over the offseason. I still have Eddie Jackson um, looking for Jalen Johnson to take that step forward, obviously, in the corner room. But having the best edge rusher and, you know, some of the better D linemen in the game as well, obviously, with guys like um, Akeem Hicks is on that D line still, and Eddie Goldman, I believe, is still there as well. So it's it's definitely up in Chicago. And I think Roquan says the Roquan Smith is a big part of why it's up in Chicago. Um, number seven on my list, I have Deion Jones, the Atlanta Falcons, another young guy that I think has been taking a step forward each and every year. And I think this is the year where you kind of see, you, you see him develop from that star player to that superstar player. I think this is the year that he takes that big step and, and becomes the elite level player. We all know he's capable of being, um, 
another guy that's game is really relying on coverage and how good he is when it comes to dropping back into his zone. He posted a 91.7 pro football focus coverage grade in 2017, and he was above 80 in 2019. Uh, he did surrender four touchdowns in 2020, um, which was his worst coverage career of his year. But like I said, the, the defense around you greatly affects what you're able to do. Uh, Grady Jarrett is consistently affected by not being able to have any, you know, guys that are able to get to the quarterback next to him. He gets a lot of double and triple teams. Same thing with Deion Jones, man. You can be as good in coverage as you want to, but if you if the guys around you can't cover, you know, a fire with a wet blanket, then it, it's going to hurt your numbers in the long run as well. So um, the potential is 100% there. And I think he he just he's too talented to go anywhere lower on this list, in my opinion. Um, Deion Jones is extremely good, and I see him taking you know kind of recovering from a down twenty twenty year and stepping into the spotlight and being even better um, in twenty twenty one. Another guy, I believe. Don't quote me on this because I don't have the ages looked up, but I didn't pull him up before this list. This guy has got to be in your top ten. Now, he may be too high on mine. I may be overreacting because everybody's underreacting to what this kid did last year. And his teammate may also be two spots higher on this list than he is at the same position at the middle linebacker in that 3-4 defense down in Tampa. But Devin White is too good to not be in your top 10. Um, Not a guy that records a ton of highlights, um, but he's made more tackles for loss or no gain than any other NFL linebacker over the past two seasons. He has 33 tackles for loss or tackles for no gain in two years. Um, I think a big reason of that is because the speed that he runs with, he did a race with, I believe it was McCole Hardman, Devin White. There's somebody, Henry Ruggs and... I don't remember who the third. I always forget who the fourth guy was, just because he got absolutely dusted. Like McCole ran like a four th- two something, four three something. Uh, Henry Ruggs obviously ran his four two four three. Devin White runs a four three at middle linebacker. I'm like, hello, you're not supposed to do that, guy. You are six foot two hundred thirty seven pounds. You should not be running a four three forty, and you definitely shouldn't be doing it on defense. Why are you not a running back? I don't understand why you're on the wrong side of the ball, buddy. You should be touching the ball every down, not every other play when you can get a pick. Um, he just he he flies to the ball like no other man. He is a he is a perfect sideline to sideline athleticism, and and the thing about him that that I think he's gonna make that step forward, and I think you saw it a lot with Levante David this last year. Which spoiler alert, he is on this list somewhere. Levante David was very, very good, and I think Devin White has all the raw athleticism and talent in the world, and he played so well at the end of last year. When you look at the regular season, Devin White probably wasn't a top 15, top 20 linebacker, but when you look at the postseason, he's top five. I think he builds on what he did in the postseason. You take some more lessons from Levante David. you got to cut down on your missed tackles, and just you had to, like, it's the same old, it's the same old, same old comes back down to receivers as well. I could I could teach you to be a better route runner. You know, we can improve that a little bit. That skill can grow. I can fix your hands. I put you in front of a jug machine enough times. You know, I I, I aim that jug machine at your face and tell you to catch every pass. I want to throw a thousand balls at your face. Pause. And you better catch every single one of them. If not, you're taking a 90-mile-an-hour rocket shot right to the nose. I guarantee you're going to catch a majority of those passes, you know. Um, we can work on hands. I can't teach you to be faster. I could probably shave a couple tenths of a second off. You know, if you're a, if you run a five, a, a four fifty five forty time, I could probably get you down to a, a four four nine or a four four five. I can't get you, uh, you know, a full tenth of a second. I can't take you from a four five guy to a four two guy. It's not something you could teach. You can't teach speed, and Devin White's got all the athletic tools that you need to be the best linebacker in the game. It's just about cutting down on the mental errors and and cutting down on a lot of the physical. Sometimes he plays so fast that it it causes him to miss tackles. 
he he takes the right angle, but considering how quickly he is, he underestimates. You know, you're trying to chase down Josh Jacobs, and you take an angle up the field where you think you're going to catch him. All of a sudden, you're ten, five, ten yards out in front. Now you put yourself at a disadvantage, and it gives him a chance to shake you because, you know, you get five out, you know, five yards out in front. He can he could juke you out a little bit, give a little stick and move, or being Josh Jacobs, he could just run right through you. So. I think I think the biggest thing for Devin White in that step forward that he needs to make is slowing the game down almost. We need to slow. You're so athletic and so fast. You're moving faster than a lot of these guys on offense. I need you to slow down, stop making so many mental errors, and really get down to it. And I think he does have the ability to be a top five linebacker in this league. I He could be the best linebacker in this league at one point in his career. I definitely think he has that potential, just like Devin Bush does. So... A little, little little exhale for you. I gotta I gotta get it off my I gotta get it off my chest. I feel like I'm I'm trying to kind of run through the list. I feel like we've been given good descriptions so far, but we're we're kind of pushing our time limits. So I gotta kind of speed it up a little bit. So as I say, speed it up. Uh-huh. Before we speed it up and get to the top five, I got one more thing to talk to y'all about, man, and that's Manscaped. Um, Manscaped is known for helping guys groom their bodies. Um, one thing I should probably point out is that your face is definitely a part of your body and, and Manscaped makes tools for that too. Um, if you ever wondered about using Manscaped products on your face, I've got some good news for you guys, man. Many of the products can be safe for your face and a couple are even designed for facial hair. The lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is something that we praise as something that I praise as one of the best of all, uh, you know, the best of both worlds. It could groom all parts of your body from, from from the downstairs area to make sure you're nice and ready for that date night with your girlfriend or that you know that third date with that girl you've been talking to for two three weeks or making sure that your face is all groomed up when you got to go to your your brother's wedding next weekend you know um it can groom all parts of your body um and be safe safe and effective for using it on your face as well but and there is a big but while you can use the trimmer on your face and body, you got to make sure you change the blade, man. This is that personal hygiene that Sam stresses so much um, on the mansion. Um, y'all have got to step up the personal hygiene game. And Manscaped can help you with a lot of these things, but you still got to take those extra steps when you've got it at home, man. Um, you got to make sure you change out the blade when you use it on your face, keeping one specifically for your body and one for your face. Man, because you, you got to be careful with that, man. Because the ability to change the blade is to help you from keeping, you know, keeping away and and not getting staph infections or any bacterial infections from cross contamination, man. Listen, we talking about personal hygiene. You you can clean your balls better than any guy out there. Pause. But if you turn around and use that razor on your face, man, you probably gonna have some issues. You know what I'm saying? Like even the cleanest balls in the world ain't ain't clean when compared to your face. Pause. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, y'all, y'all, y'all doing your best. I see y'all out there trying, but man, some of y'all motherfuckers ain't trying. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna hop off the high horse. I'll let Sam deal with the personal hygiene, man. But y'all looking to keep your your face clean. You wonder how my beard looks so good all the time, man. Manscaped does it. I ain't gonna talk about nothing else that I use Manscaped for because you know we're trying to keep the show as PG-13 as we can. But but we gotta, we gotta keep moving to this top five, man. Before we get to the top five itself, a little quick recap for y'all. Let y'all know where we're at. Uh, Dante Hightower, I'm going to go 10 to 6 here real quick. Dante Hightower, Demario Davis, Roquan Smith, Deion Jones, Devin White. That leads us to our top five. The fifth guy on my list, Eric Kendricks of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, this is another guy that what, what really separates linebackers from the good to the great to the elite is the ability to do multiple things at a very high level. And Eric Kendricks is one of those guys that is just a Swiss army knife right in the middle of your defense. Um, he has been, excuse me. I'm going to have to cut that out. 53, 42. Remember that. So the thing about Kendricks, man, that being that Swiss Army knife, 
He's very good when it comes to stopping the run. He gets after the QB every once in a while. But the thing where, again, coverage, man, coverage, coverage, coverage. You got to be able to draw back. You got to be able to take these tight ends out of the game plan. And you can't take a Rob Gronkowski, a prime Gronk out of the game. You can't take a Kelsey out of the game. You can't take a Kittle out of the game. You can't take a Waller out of the game. But you got to be able to at least slow him down. It was 17 pass breakups and the highest pro football coverage grade of all linebackers over the past two years, Eric Kendricks. Drops back into coverage just about better than anybody else at that position. Uh, he is the ultimate the ultimate coverage linebacker, I would say that. He's probably the best linebacker when it comes to dropping back into coverage. Um, so another guy that's just finding a way to do it at an old age, man. He's just He keeps getting older, but somehow he keeps getting better. Um, another guy that's getting older but still getting better, Levante David of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is now 31 years old. But you only need to turn on the Super Bowl, man, to see how good this guy still is. You know, we're talking about, I was just talking about Devin White two, three picks ago and how good this kid's going to be. Levante David's still out there showing him up with everything I just talked about, Devin White. Levante David is still better than he is. Um, Kansas City Chiefs tied in. Travis Kelsey had been torching everybody in his path on the way up to that Super Bowl, and Levante David stuck with him and made a, a couple of key breakups. Um, it's another guy that just he covers well in coverage and he can stop the run extremely well as well. He is a he is your perfect field general. Still getting older, but still doing it at an extremely high level. Um Levante David at three. Ooh, I made the jump. Damn. I knew I knew that was gonna happen. It was gonna bite me in the ass. I was going too fast. I made the jump. I jumped and said Levante David at three. We jumped over our four spot. So there's your spoiler. We have Eric Kendricks at five, Levante Davids at three. Back to our fourth spot on this list is going to be Darius Leonard. Um, in his three years in the NFL, he doesn't have a bad pro football focus grade in any facet of the game. This guy is the Swiss Army knife, and he is the remarkable has a remarkable level of consistency at a position that is routinely exploited by modern offenses. I'm sitting here talking to you guys about how teams will use these crossing routes, or you know, dropping back into man coverage. How Travis Kelsey can just absolutely toast your middle linebacker and make him look like a garbage can, or some some true freshman at a FCS school playing against Alabama. Travis Kelsey can do that to just about anybody. So to see a guy like Darius Leonard come in and just play, be drafted and come in and play his first three years with remarkable consistency in every facet of the game. So another guy is a very, very good run stopper. He fills gaps off the edge very, very well, clogs up a lot of running lanes, and he, he can draw back into coverage pretty decently. He's not the most athletic guy in the world, but like I said, for, for NFL offenses, look for those mismatches. That's what we want. When you're an offense, when you're an X and O's guys, I'm like, all right, how am I going to take advantage of that guy that can only run a four, five, four, six? I've got all these speedsters out here on the edge. I've got a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle in the middle. How can I take advantage of this linebacker? That's what the game is built around when it comes to passing, honestly, these days. Unless I'm going over the top, I'm looking at those mismatches in the middle of the field. So for Darius Leonard to come in green out of college and consistently do what he's done is just, it's absolutely insane. And also, like I said, he, the Swiss Army Knife effect. He has the most forced fumbles of any linebacker since he came into league three years ago. Ten forced fumbles, including the playoffs in those three years. Just an absolute animal. Indy just paid him the bag. I don't know if he's worth every penny of that deal, but he's damn near close. I'll give you that. Um, so Darius Linder's at four. Levante David is our three spot. We already talked about him. Moving to the two spot, man. It's a very, very, very tough decision for me to make. I really wanted to put this guy at two. I have a lot of love for this guy. I love using this guy in Madden. He is, to me, he is the Swiss Army knife because of how athletic he is to boot with everything he does. I know I just called like four guys the, the best Swiss Army knife in the game. But the thing about Fred Warner, the guy at our two spot from the San Francisco 49ers from out in the Bay, is that he does all these things well and he is extremely athletic and he's obviously still very young. Um, Fred Warner is the best contender when it comes to anybody trying to knock our number one guy off his pedestal and take the crown from him. Um, and, and he got there a different way than anybody else. Um, at BYU, Fred Warner played that like overhang kind of slot linebacker hybrid role, which exists in a lot of college systems. 
thanks to their wide hash marks, but it really never has translated to the NFL. You have a lot of those guys that kind of get mixed in the set because they're too small to play linebacker. They're too big to play corner. Fred Warner's able to move to that middle linebacker spot, man. He has excelled. He has excelled at all facets of the game, and he has allowed him to post a 90-plus PFF coverage grade over his past two years. Just an absolute dog. You know, we're talking about we're going to talk about the running backs only. Aiden Dennis, dog. That's Fred Warner. Dog. He does it, man. Drops back into coverage extremely well. He can make those athletic interceptions over the middle of the field. He's very quick to run and, you know, stuff those A and B gaps in the run game. He can take your tight end out in zone coverage. He can cover him in man coverage a majority of the time as well, unless he's run into like a Darren Waller speedster tight end. And he can hold his own against the majority of receivers unless you really have somebody that's running a 4-3 in your slot. That's what he did in college. This, this Like I said, it's that slot overhang type of linebacker. So he's used to that. That's that's what he kind of built his game on and why he was drafted in the NFL is that those coverage skills, man. And he does it extremely well. He may not be as good. His IQ may not be there as far as coverage against a guy like Eric Kendricks, but he is younger and he is faster. He's more athletic. Covers the sideline to sideline. When this number one guy hangs it up, or maybe even this year before this guy hangs it up, Fred Warner will be the best linebacker in football at one point or another here in the next two to three years. I can 100% guarantee the only way that doesn't happen is if one of these linebackers that just got drafted steals the crown before he can get there. And I don't see it happening because Fred Warner was, you know, inches, centimeters away from taking that one spot from Bobby Wagner this year. So Bobby Wagner is our number one linebacker in the game. As much as that Seattle defense may have deteriorated or gotten better, like, we may have lost the Legion of Boom and then kind of built it back with the guys that we've drafted over the years and trading for Jamal Adams. Bobby Wagner is the the statement of consistency in Seattle. He's the statement of the consistency of that defense. He is the statement of consistency for the middle linebacker position, man. It does not get any better than Bobby Wagner. Um, he has not really faltered from being the number one up until this, this point. Um, Luke Keekley was the guy that obviously they went back and forth for many years before Luke Keekley abruptly retired a couple years ago. This year is the only year that Fred Warner or anybody has ever really challenged him for the crown and for the crown of best middle linebacker. And even when challenged this year, he still comes out on top as the best middle linebacker in the game. Probably the hardest hitter in in football right now is Bobby Wagner. He absolutely lays the wood in the middle of that Seattle defense. That's a terrifying thing because even if you're able to avoid Bobby Wagner on a play, man, whew, didn't have to get touched by 54. Guess what? They got 33 sitting right back there. You have the hardest hitting safety in the league to worry about on the same Seattle defense. It's something that's terrifying to run into on the field or anywhere where you run into them. Um the thing and, and the reason why I kind of have to put Bobby Wagner on one as much as I wanted to put Fred Warner on one, and I really was kind of biased and I really wanted to put him at one anyways, even though I didn't 100% believe it. Man, you just look at Wagner's been asked to step up in so many different areas. The Seahawks have had to ask Bobby to step into even the pass rush role now because they just have, they've had so many gaps and so many guys leave that they just need production from someone else along the way. And so, like I said, he's been asked to come into that pass rush strategy for the Seahawks, given their struggles in that area. And subsequently, he's notched 23 quarterback pressures and his fifth straight season with an 80-plus pro football-focused passing rush grade on the Blitz in 2020. So he drops back into coverage extremely well. He will mash you in the middle of the field and make you feel it tomorrow, just like Ray Lewis used to do back in the day. And he's now added this facet of pass rushing, which none of these other 12, 13 guys that I talked about are really, really good pass rushers. It's very hard. And usually you just don't see guys that are good pass rushers in the middle of the field because if he's a good pass rusher, I'm putting him on the edge. There's no need. Either I get pressure from my DT or I get pressures from the edge. I don't get pressure from middle linebackers. So Pete Carroll has kind of stepped up the creativity in that defense. Obviously bringing Jamal Adams in, they've had to add a lot of you know linebacker or safety blitz plays. And Bobby Wagner stepped in and have filled that role efficiently as well with those 23 pressures last year so. Bobby Wagner is still your king crown of them all when it comes to to middle linebackers, and that adding that pass rush factor was kind of the the one that did Fred Warner in, if you would. Um, that's that's the thing that kind of sealed the deal for Bobby being at one again. So 
To recap our three honorable mentions, Alexander Johnson, the Denver Broncos, Jalen Brown, the Tennessee Titans, and Devin Bush, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then from 10 to 1, real quick, we'll run through a little bang, 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 just knock them out. We got Dante Hightower, Demario Davis, Roquan Smith, Deion Jones, Devin White. And then to round out our top five, we have Eric Kendricks, Darius Leonard, Levante David, Fred Warner, and Bobby Wagner. Still the king of the middle linebackers. Still the model of consistency when it comes to Seattle, when it comes to the position, and when it comes to that Seattle defense, he is that motherfucking guy. So that's going to do it. We went a little long today. It's okay. We had to talk about the Owen show. Had to kind of give you the mental introduction to my co-host for the Owen show and Tim. And obviously we had our two fan questions. Man, you got to get to the the important stuff and talk about our top 10 linebackers, man. So thank you all for coming on the journey with us. The off season is officially over. September 10th, season one, or season one, season two is officially out. And Wednesday next week after season two kicks off, Episode 1 of The Owen Show will come out. Episode 1 of The Mansion will be out on Tuesday. And Episode 1 of 1 of 1 with Ashe Sanchez will also be out next week before Episode 2 comes out. So, man, keep it locked, man. I, don't, I, I say it every single time. We got more and more coming. That's Usually it's just, you know, I be bringing it. You know what I'm saying? I be, I be coming with the stuff. Pause every week, week out. Bonus this, bonus that. But bonuses are over, man. Off season's over. No time to. We ain't got no off season workouts no more. The conditioning is done. It's time to see who's limits and who's battle tested and ready for season two. And I'll tell y'all what. I don't know if y'all are ready. I don't know what type of conditioning y'all did during the off season. I'm ready. These lungs is prepped. These pipes are good to go. Pause. Shay's good. Sam's good. BDL's good. We're up. Hopefully y'all are up with us. We'll see y'all on Friday for season two debut. And I'll see y'all next week. And Tim, y'all meet Tim finally next week for the official episode one of The Owen Show. So y'all keep it locked. Y'all stay breezy. I love y'all. And I'll catch y'all here in a couple days on episode one of season two of Boys Don't Lie, the podcast.